Talks right here, we gon' talk about it right here. We gon' talk about everything you like. I'ma make it real, real clear. It's today talks right here. We gon' talk about it right here. I'ma talk about everything you like. I'ma make it real, real quick. Cause it's today talk. And I'ma talk about it. Yeah, cause it's today talk. And I'ma talk about it. Welcome to this episode of the Tanae Talks podcast. Remember, Tanae Talks is the podcast that entertains and educates. Also, remember, Tanae Talks and you listen. I have a wonderful guest on today, uh, Miss Ronika Pleasant, and we'll be talking about girls love basketball. Ronika Pleasant is the only woman recruiter in Michigan. She is NCAA certified uh, scouting recruit. She recruits uh, for NCAA and the only black woman in the Midwest region to be a recruiter. So if you're trying to get your uh, your athlete, your your future superstar to to the D1 schools or even the NAIA schools or high major division one, Ronika is the person to holler at. So without further ado, please welcome Miss Ronika Pleasant. Hello. Hey, 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 we're so happy to have you on. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I say we. Listen, Tanae Talks is the sole proprietor of this. I am the staff. I am the employees, but I always say we. <laughs> the whole vibe though. So you, you can say we. You can say we. <laughs> I love that. So, you know, I had to honor you today in some way. I'm always gorgeous mm-hmm. and green as a woman of Alpha Cap Absolutely Incorporated, but I wore this green to highlight your alma mater, which is Northwestern. And hey, because you, you, yes, loving it. Up. Always. This is my, my built Flint Tough shirt. You know, we Love built I have Flint one as well. I have one as Period. well. Because <laughs> you got to have one. And you know, I know that you don't play about Flint the way I no. don't play about Flint. So to At my all. listeners out there or my new listeners, I am a native of Flint, but I reside in the DFW. And Ronika is from Flint, Michigan. As yes. And she's a woman, a girl. She's a woman who loves basketball. Sometimes the ladies don't, you know, get the love they deserve in, in this realm. You know what I mean? And so as a matter of fact, last weekend, I went to a drive-in re-showing of love and basketball with Sanaa Lathan and Omar Epps. And it just really sickened me how the ladies were being treated. You know, just you when know you look about love and basketball, it showed clearly how there are instances where the woman has way more love for the game and ball is life for her but because the man is the man and he had the name he got all the pub he got all the looks he got all the everything but she was the one that wanted it she was the one that worked for it she She was was the one that grinded out she was the one that was most successful you know yeah it happens more than we know yeah and it, it seems like Quincy McCall's character played by Omar Epps was basically shown more love because his dad was formerly in the NBA. 
Yes. You know what I yes. mean? And, it, and we know that, you know, men's basketball definitely gets more support uh, from fans and the media than women's basketball. So that in itself, you know, put him ahead of the game. Yeah. And I just didn't like that because it, there was a scene on there when she was like, he was like, you're not going to be recruited because of your attitude. And she's like, what? You be all up in the rep space. You be cussing people out. Nobody blinks an eye. It's like really the unmitigated gall of you. So right. I, that right. was just very striking to me. Because people don't understand when you're competitive, competitive, just like love and anger, any other emotion, it doesn't know a gender. You're just competitive. Yeah. It's a passion. It's a feeling. And it, there's nothing in me that says I, I shouldn't behave a certain way when I'm being competitive because I'm That's a woman. Right. I, right. I want to win. Like, this Period. is serious out here. Who <laughs> <laughs> winning? That's the goal. So, Ronika, tell us a little, about, a little bit about your history into basketball itself and what makes you a lover of basketball, even before we get into the recruiting aspect. Um, I am definitely a daddy's girl, and so a lot of my pastime with my father growing up was we, we would watch sports, um, primarily football and basketball. But there was just something about basketball that I, it, I just was locked in on. It It was just so competitive, and it was so fast-paced, and it was a game of thinking, um, quick thinking. Like, you had to always be one step ahead of your competitor. And then my dad, being who he was, he would always relate life to basketball. You know, that was just how he uh, was able to teach and get things through to me. And, and, you know, probably some of my other siblings too, but, you know, we're talking about me right now. Right. And, um, <laughs> so, you know, he encouraged me to start playing, which I did. Um, I started playing in the fifth grade, but I didn't really get serious about it. I was in the eighth grade where I was actually competing um, in school and on the AAU circuit. I played through high school, um, but I chose love and family over a basketball career, so oh. it stopped there. However, yeah. um, I, my ex-husband was, of course, a basketball player. Um, he was a phenomenal athlete, went on to be a phenomenal coach. And then as a coach's wife, I was always involved in the game from that aspect. And then our children ended up being... Superstars. Wonderful athletes <laughs> you know, on their own. Even though we were definitely a basketball family, we did not push them in that direction. It was just something they gravitated to. And so then I became a basketball mom. And um, I found myself doing the exact same thing my dad was doing, using the concept of team sports and the game of basketball to teach my children life lessons. And from there, um, I, start, I got asked to cover a game one time for um, my now boss because he was being pulled in two different directions, but there was a really big girls tournament going on. And he's like, you're a writer, right? And I'm like, of course. And I was going anyway, because my daughter had a tournament that weekend. And he was like, do you mind covering a couple of the games for me? This is all I need you to do. And he broke down, you know, the formula of scouting and evaluating players. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And I turned in my stuff and he was like, this is really good. I'm like, glad you like it. Let's move on. <laughs> um, but then throughout that summer, he, he kept asking me for these favors. Um, mm -hmm. I did not realize he was drawing me into the world of recruitment and scouting. He was scouting you. He was. He was. <laughs> and um, next thing I know, here I am seven years later. And it's what I do and I love. The game of basketball has always been instrumental in my life. Um, it's almost like a breath of fresh air for me. I love being a very, I can sit in the gym for 12 hours straight and it's nothing for me, you know. Um, I just love how basketball brings um, people together. It doesn't matter yeah. your race, it doesn't matter your color, it doesn't matter your creed, it doesn't matter where you're from. Like when you put on that jersey, all that matters is the common goal and that's to win. Yeah, the win, getting the dub. Your family and it's just, it's a beautiful concept. 
I love that. And you, it seems like you fit like a hand to a glove, right? Or a moth to a flame with this. Cause you're like a girly tomboy. I can I say, am. could you? <laughs> I it's am. Like, That's exactly what I am. <laughs> <laughs> like your face is always done up, hair is always laid, but you're going to have on the freshest kicks. You're going to have on the freshest, you know, attire. Like tea, outfit or tea. <laughs> with like some like animation on it or something. I just feel like you fit right into it. Cause you, I feel like you would be so, previously, you know, you worked in higher education and you had to wear suits and stuff. You were confined. That wasn't what you were called to do. It was, and you know, <laughs> I love that, you know, cause like I got to meet so many wonderful people including yourself mm-hmm. and I, I love that experience. I did higher ed for 10 years, you know so I never ever take that, but you're right. When I, soon as I got off work, I was peeling off in the car, like, get me <laughs> up out of this, you know, and I had to wear heels all the time. It was just, yes. it was out of my comfort zone to say the least. You know, <laughs> connecting it back to love and basketball, it's like when Monica came back home from overseas and she takes the job at the bank because her dad worked at the bank and she's getting out the car and she's taking off the shoes and, and Q was like, that don't even fit you. <laughs> She was wearing blue all over her face. Like, <laughs> not only do I got to punch this clock, but I got to do it wearing this. Like, oh my right. gosh. Right. So you remind me of Monica McCall. It's like you do what you got to do to put the food on the table, but your passion lies somewhere else in Absolutely. the game of basketball. And I love that. And so you you guys had a, have a basketball family. Your ex-husband was in the hoop. All three of your beautiful children are hoop stars your son right now is he's getting recruited so you being a recruiter you know how to guide him through the recruitment um, process how rare is it to see a family like you guys in that basketball world because it's actually it's not rare at all it's actually very common um I think that because people automatically assume that because a kid's parent is a coach or a former player that they get special privileges um, most parents shy away from announcing that to the world, you know, that my, my kid plays for me or my kid is also a basketball player um, because then our kids don't get a fair shake, which is unfortunate. Um, or they, they're not allowed to make mistakes and be kids. And uh, growing up in a city like Flint, we, our children are very fortunate that um, Flint is a basketball mecca. And so uh, <laughs> most of the people in the area understand the game, the politics of the game and how it works. And everyone loved um, their dad when he was on the court and, you know, even when he was coaching and, you know, and I've earned a lot of respect in the recruitment world and Scotty, I've been doing it for so long. And, you know, just the conversation that I've had with people. And so my children are, are fortunate that they are able just to be looked upon as basketball players and that's it. Yes. Um, and they're given a fair shake. That's, that's the part that's really um, uncommon is that those kids get fair shakes an outside world, you know, they, they have to go above and beyond because they come from a basketball family. Yeah. The bar is high. It it's is. like, I, it I, is. I saw your dad, what you got, you know, <laughs> and you never, yeah. and I know the pressure is there on the, on the kids too, right? Because Michael Jordan has sons. So everybody expected his I kids. would hate to be, listen, can I play soccer? <laughs> I can't even imagine what they went through if they touched basketball. I can't even imagine because it was yeah. just unfair. It is. And the one son did, and there was no spark. There was nothing. So, And I look at even like Chris Webber, for example, Michigan legend, um, NBA vet. He has brothers. 
And I don't feel like they were given a fair shake because they were so close in age. Like, you know, he was, he's not that much older than them. That it was just like, oh, you're, you're Chris Weber brother. What are you doing? What you gonna do? I mean, right. That's so unfair. Like, I'm not my brother. Like, my brother is an exceptional athlete. Yeah. I'm a great athlete. You know what I mean? Like, let me stay right. in my lane and do what I do. Like, he, he, he on a whole nother level. Like, you know, he don't come around too often. But yeah. that's how that's what they got compared to. And it's just so unfair. It's just so that's unfair. crazy. So you touched on Flint being a basketball mecca. And I want to tell my listeners out there, if you're not familiar with Flint being a basketball hub, let me run down a list of few for you. And Ranika probably knows more than the ones that I'm gonna say. <laughs> we we got the legendary Glenn Rice. Okay. Yes. We have the legendary um Eric Turner, you know, yes. won three state championships, went on to the league. We have Morris Peterson, who is, uh, when I was growing up, was my boyfriend in my mind, okay? <laughs> that's, got, that's big bro. Like, that's big bro. That's yeah, that's big bro. Big bro. His mom was actually my first uh, real basketball coach. Like, this. That's His mom right. was my sixth grade science teacher, okay? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got Martin Cleese. That's big bro. Yes. We have Monte Morris, who's making waves in the NBA right now. Let, let me okay. pause you right there and point this out. We currently have four active NBA players in the league right now. And there are major cities that don't have that. Not to mention we have an NBA referee with Courtney Kirkland in there. And oh, we have uh, the Denver Nuggets trainer is from Flint. So Now I, now I didn't even know that. We got yes. Kyle Kuzma, Flintstone. Yeah. Pamela and Paula McGee, who went on to win a championship for, what was it, USC? So yes. the women love the Gold basketball medals. too. And what's their son's name? Her, her son, JaVale McGee, plays for the Los Angeles Lakers. Flint, Flint, Flint. We just, Flint, we we love basketball. The ladies love mm-hmm. Can you name some of the women besides Paula and Pamela? Those are the ones that stick out to me. Or did uh, I leave out any basketball? Okay, Ty Edwards is a great. Um, she was the she actually was the first women's coach to win a state championship as a player and a coach in Michigan. She was the first to do that. She went on to uh, play in the CBA. She played overseas, the CBA, the WNBA. She's now a coach on the college level. Um, we have Latia Hewley, who won multiple state championships. Yes. How could I forget Miss Hewley? She's now uh, <laughs> one of the top uh, junior college coaches here at, at my community college in Flint. Um, we have Deanna Nolan. The world calls her Tweety. Um, <laughs> she is a legend on her own. Uh, she won at uh, at Northern, of course, in high school. She went on to do great things at Georgia, University of Georgia, and then to win WNBA championships and be MVPs of Absolutely. those games. So, yeah. You know, you know who Hewley, else I'm forgetting? Hewley. When we were at U of M, uh, uh, Mr. Irvin, who worked in the rec center, he used to yes. play for the NBA. Yes. He played with Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe uh, Mr. Petaway. I can't think his first name, but he was yes, in the Napoleon. League. Napoleon, yes, Petaway, yes. And well, I forget it, Grayer. Grayer. Jeff Grayer. Jeff, Jeff Grayer. So we, when I say that Flint, Michigan, is when she says that it's the Mecca, it's truly a powerhouse. We yes. love our, our basketball. Like I live here in Texas and football is Bible in Michigan and Flint basketball is Bible. Absolutely. Okay? <laughs> Absolutely. So we're going to get into the meat of the matter. It says, you know, in your bio that you've been a scout since 2014 and we're in 2021. So that's seven years, the year of perfection, yes. the year of completion. Tell us a little bit about that journey. You talked a little bit about how you were kind of vetted into it, you know, doing favors. Mm-hmm. But let's t- take us into the world of scouting and tell us how that goes. 
You know, it's, it's, um, it's very rewarding. I'd like to say that first. Um, what I do and how this whole NCAA thing works is when I go to basketball tournaments or high school games, I'm just a, a, a figure in the corner. Um, I try my best to be low-key incognito. I've been doing it for so long that people are starting to know who I am. Um, <laughs> but I'm there to give those girls a chance. That's it. Um, what I do is I evaluate players on an individual basis, um, their skill level, their physical abilities, their attitudes, um, how they interact with their teammates, how they interact with their coaches. And I do two things. I do uh, what we call write-ups, which are a little brief um, summaries of how that individual uh, player played during the game. And those are the things that we post on our website for the players and parents to see. But then I also do evaluations where um, I, can, I guess you could say critique the player on their strengths, um, their areas of improvement and what level I feel like they could best perform at. And when I say what level, that's division one, division uh, two, um, high major, low major, things like that. And then I put it all together in a college report. Um, all the colleges and universities that subscribe to our service, they then get that report for their recruitment purposes. Um, and I say it's so rewarding because sometimes, um, a lot of times actually, when I'm out on the road because we travel all over the country, I see girls who are phenomenal basketball players that nobody knows about. And because I'm able to put them on that college report and give colleges the opportunity to say, hey, this girl is out here and she's not committed, um, or she doesn't have any major looks just as of yet, it allows them to get opportunities that maybe they have not gotten had I not been in the gym that day. Um, and, and then to hear back from the parents or from the players saying, you know, I just got my first full ride offer and they said they saw my profile, you know, that you did on me, you know, things like that. That's what makes it worth it. That's what makes it worth it. I mean, and it's the best of both worlds for me. I get to do <laughs> my two passions. I love writing. Um, I'm an author. I'm a freelance writer. I'm also a ghost writer. So I get to do that. But then I also get to sit in the gym all day and watch some great basketball. So, you get to travel. All over, all over. <laughs> and it's just amazing. It is amazing. It, it is sometimes taxing because like I said, I'll be in the gym for 12 hours easy. And mm -hmm. I have to do that for two or three days in a row um, on top of writing and making sure I get my assignments completed. But at the end, it's all worth it. I wouldn't change it for anything. I came to one of your recruiting tournaments and I was in awe. In the middle <laughs> of the pandemic, actually. It was, it was. <laughs> and it was. it's like, it was like eight games going on at once. It was like a sensory overload for me. So yes. to have, that's a skill set, you know, to know what you're looking for, to zone in when there's so much commotion and chaos going on, you know, good chaos, not in a bad way, but it's right, so right, much right, right. Ener energy in there for you to kind of hone in on a player and really capture, you know, their skill set to, you know, help their future essentially, whether mm -hmm. it's a full ride scholarship or you, you know, a partial scholarship or getting them into the door to that overseas plug yes. or, you know, whatever. So that's really cool. How important is a, you know, earlier we talked about Monica going off or having an attitude and she's, you know, saying that about Q's character too. Right. How important is a, an athlete's character or their demeanor on and off the court? Extremely important. I can't stress that enough. Um, so let's, let's be clear, college coaches are intelligent. Well, most of them, the majority of them are intelligent people who understand the game of basketball. So they can decipher between passion and a bad attitude. So let's be clear about that. Um, no one has to explain to them, you know, well, they slammed the ball down because they were upset about the foul versus they slammed the ball down because 
they didn't get their way. The coach can clearly see that. So let's start there um, and get that, you know, out of the way. But if your body language, unfortunately, sometimes is the only conversation the coach will have with you while they're recruiting you. And a lot of uh, players need to be mindful of that. Um, you get you showing passion and getting upset or getting excited on the court is one thing. You doing it on the sidelines with your coach? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Um, it's almost like even when you, like your mom would say something to you and you'd be like, she is dead wrong. Like, no, she's incorrect. But you have to figure out a way to say it in a respectful manner. Mm-hmm. Same with the coach. <laughs> your coach might be dead wrong. But how you handle that situation is what's important. Because, again, college coaches, most of them have been doing this for years. They understand the game and they know the difference between passion and disrespect. They absolutely do. And then off the court, that social media thing, I can't tell you how many kids have uh, lost their scholarships or have ended their recruitment because mm-hmm. they were just wild and reckless on social media. And for yeah. me personally, I feel like it's the parent's job to, because some a kid going to be a kid. Not every kid um, is mature enough or has a mindset to say, oh, I forgot there are college coaches following me on Twitter. You know, uh, let me not post this or let me not retweet that. As parents, um, we have to make sure we stay on top of that. My, my kids, you know, um, I told them this is a business. Your Twitter page is not for your fun and games. <laughs> it's <Not> business. <laughs> <laughs> this is business. Mm-hmm. We are trying to look for a four-year job. So um, handle yourself accordingly. And I think that's really the only message that we can really try to drill into them is that this is a business and they have to conduct themselves as, as future employees. That those are jewels. I was really uh, you you segue right into it. I was going to talk about how important the digital footprint is, and you really touched on that. It stays in perpetuity. Uh, A lot of young athletes and students think, "Well, I deleted it." Well, screenshots are something. (laughs) And you'd be surprised how quickly people can like screenshot or retweet something, Mm -hmm. and you know, 120 people have seen it in five minutes. Yeah, or 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 one minute. And, you know, now they're talking about it, you know, especially, you know, I, I, I recruit in the girls uh, spectrum of basketball and there's some young ladies who have put some very provocative pictures out there or they're, you know, uh, being very uh, feisty with some yes. gentlemen on there. And it's like no coach wants to have to be worried about if they have to be worried about you and your safety and if you're breaking curfew or whatever, um, because you're trying to chase a boy, you know, yeah. um, that's important. And, and just like with a job, they can use that to say, I don't want that employee on my job. This is a <laughs> institution. This is mm-hmm. not a fair or free for all. Yeah. Um, we are not equal opportunity employers. You know, I want, there's a certain caliber of player that they're looking for as far as skill set and character. And if you're not carrying yourself in that manner, then they will not, they won't want you. They won't want you. That's so important because they need to realize they're not just representing themselves. They'll be representing an institution. So if you're recruiting for division one, they're no longer Jane Doe from Wisconsin or wherever. They're Jane Doe who plays for U of M or Michigan State or Wayne State. And not just that university, that conference. You start talking about those high major schools, you're not representing the University of Michigan and the Big Ten. And so there's a president that's already set for those type of, you know, uh, legendary type conferences and schools. And you have to represent, you have to represent accordingly. And it's just that simple. 
So you mentioned parents and you talked about parents making sure that they're, well, before I get into parents, I want to talk about, before I segue over, the importance of you being a business yourself to the young people or anybody. I, I was in an interview, I want to use this example, and I, I write as well. Um, and, I, and I blog and I did a blog and I'm a TV kind of sore. I love to cr- critique or not necessarily critique, but give my assessment of yeah. popular shows. Of <laughs> and so at the time, uh, 13 Reasons Why was all the rage, right? It was on, mm-hmm. it was a Netflix show. And I, and I wrote a blog about a character on the show. And you know, that character, if you haven't seen it, she is talking from the dead. She committed suicide, but she left these tapes behind. And so as I watched the show, I realized that she, the character, was the problem the whole time. <laughs> and so she ends up committing suicide. And I write a blog about it. I talk about like, you know, she she brought this suicide. No one led her to do it. You know, she did it. And I, and I made this based on a character. I go into a job interview and someone brings up the blog mm. and they're like, these are your feelings. These are your thoughts. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a fictional character. You know, <laughs> I'm talking about someone in fiction. She's like, is that how you would handle a real person? I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, so you, you got, you gotta, you really gotta be, you know, careful. You because it can affect your livelihood, right? So Ronique is talking about your college life, but that college, that four years of you being a business can lead into more more income, more resources, more opportunity, and you could literally hinder yourself. So that digital footprint, tread lightly. (laughs) But moving forward about the parents, you talk about the parents monitoring the children, but in this recruiting process, how important are the parents in this recruitment? So first and foremost, parents need to understand that they are being recruited as well. Now, um, parents can be sometimes even more passionate than the players. (laughs) I am guilty of it. Um, When my first, my oldest child, my daughter was playing basketball, I was one of those yelling, screaming, yelling at the ref, just, oh my gosh, people hate to see me coming type of parents. (laughs) I'm embarrassed about it now. I'm embarrassed about it now, but I definitely was one of those parents. And the older she got, Actually, another mother whose daughter was going on to the next level said, you need to be careful. Kayla's a really good player and you can keep her from being recruited because no coach will want to deal with you. Oh, my God. You know, you know me personally and you know the last thing on earth I would ever do is hinder my babies from being all they could be. And I would never want them to pay for my sins. <laughs> so when she said that to me, it 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 checked me. It it checked me. Um, I'm still a loudmouth parent, but I'm a fan. Yes. <laughs> and I choose my words very carefully. So if you hear me yelling, it's more it's all about the game. I used to take jabs at the refs. I used to take jabs at some of the other parents. Like I was that. You was um, out of control. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Y'all got to know. Um, all like I said, I'm embarrassed now looking back on it, especially because they were so young. Right. But um, now I'm still, because I'm so passionate about the game, I can't sit still. Like that's, that's just what it is. But I'm, it's, all of my comments are now more geared towards the game. And the, I stay away from the personal side and all of the, the childish, you know, rhetoric that I used to spit. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I even had to get on my kid. And I think that's important too. Like, again, you're being recruited and coaches want to know that they have an ally in you. 
they want to know that if they need you to step in um, and intervene, that you're going to do the right thing. Um, we as parents sometimes get caught in this cloud that my baby can do no wrong or the world is against him or her. And that is not the case. Um, the pandemic probably showed them denial on our <laughs> children's skill set. And it puts us in a place where we're just wrong. We're just flat out wrong. And so it's very, very important to understand that your character, your demeanor, and you being delusional <laughs> on the reality of your athlete can keep them from being recruited on any level. Um, there is nothing wrong with having a phenomenal Division II basketball player. Nothing wrong. That is four free years of education at a wonderful institution. Roll with that. <laughs> uh, wrong with that you know what I mean like I, I tell parents that all, all the time I'm like you have to you have to be comfortable with reality so that your child can be comfortable with reality you can't they can't feel disappointed if they're doing their best you know what I mean and so you can't go yelling at the coach every time they don't play the minute you want them to play um, especially on the high school level it's almost like what is the purpose of yelling and going crazy with the high school coach because that's not where they get recruited you know, if a college is coming to see a kid at high school, they've already seen them out in the world on the circuit. That's the only reason why they're there. This is a new day and age. Colleges don't have the money to hop from high school to high school across the country recruiting kids. Right. And so I just think parents have to be mindful of that every time they step into a gym. I'm being recruited along with my child and I must carry myself as such. So I didn't, you, I didn't know that. So to... Um increase your athlete's opportunity of getting recruited. Are you saying that they should not only play high school ball, but they need to play in leagues? Yes, yes. Exposure is everything. So you, you just, you mentioned earlier about how you came to an event and you were amazed that there were eight courts going on. At, well, that, that tournament was being streamed live because NCAA has not uh, given the green light for colleges to get out on the road and recruit yet. So they have to, recruit via streams so um if your kid isn't playing in those games that's being streamed then how is the college supposed to see and play um and that's just how it goes you know and even when the pandemic before the pandemic if your kid is never at any of these national tournaments where the baselines are surrounded sometimes by hundreds of colleges all over the country how are they supposed to get seen you know, um, a lot of parents are old school and they're like, oh, AAU ball or travel ball is not good basketball, but that is exposure basketball. And that's all that we, your kid needs to focus on is being exposed, playing their all, taking no games off because you never know when it's going to be your turn to get that look. And I've, in some of these bigger tournaments, I've seen, you know, the Dawn Staley's, the Geno's, the Muffets, like I've seen them on the baseline watching these games. They're not going to do that at a high school unless they are already recruiting that player. And that's a part of the courting process is when they show up to the high schools. You know what I mean? Like, see, I'm here supporting you type deal. But it all starts on a travel circuit. So and, that's you know, more sure so. That, you know, these, we have phenomenal basketball players where we hear about them all the time on YouTube sensations. <laughs> unless your kid is a part of that one percentile, they <laughs> right. got to get out on the road. They have to get out on the road. So you're basically saying if they if they happen to show up to the school, that's a bonus. That's more so like we're trying to 
massage you to come to our institution? They've already talked to that kid several times. They've probably done a home visit. Mm. They've been traveling. They've been following them on the road that whole summer. Like high school visits are very specific and uh, very strategic. Or they're there because uh, right before season starts, there's a small grace period where there are open gyms where colleges can go and observe um, open gyms. But again, they're in town because there's a kid that they're interested in and they're just trying to kill two birds with one stone. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's how that works. So when you talk about exposure and traveling and they need to be on these teams, what is cost looking like? What is the average cost of you trying to maximize your, your athlete's exposure? Um, it's definitely a bill. It's definitely, and I'm just being honest, you know, so um, especially if your child is on the elite level and that means they're traveling to, you know, all over the country playing basketball. Unfortunately with the girls, their sponsorship dollars don't look like the boys, like boys, their cost is not as bad. It's, it's up there, but it's not as bad. So for example, with my daughter, um, she traveled with Michigan crossover, which is a Nike EYBL team here in Michigan. Um, just for her spring travel, it was $800. That was just for spring. And that cut, but that covered all of her tournaments. That covered her going to uh, Boo Williams, her hotel and travel to that. It covered all of her gear, you know, all of that good stuff. But what it did not cover was me and my, my family. <laughs> right, right. We still had to pay for our stuff. You know, I, I look back um, all together. My ex and I definitely spent probably about $25,000 total on Kayla's travel ball career. And we're talking sixth through 11th grade, about 25K. Um, however, the first bill we got from the University of Detroit Mercy, which is where she ended up getting her, her scholarship from, that bill said zero dollars, zero cents due. So I got my return. <laughs> yes. First semester. <laughs> that is a private institution. Uh, we would have been out of, and it was it was actually a, a spring too. So it was a summer session. It wasn't even a full semester. We would have been out of like almost $11,000 had we, you know, uh, had to pay for it out of pocket. Zero dollars, zero cents. The end of the fall semester got a bill in the mail. Zero dollars, zero cents. We would have been out of almost forty thousand dollars that semester because her room and board was included in that. So, um, yes, it's a it's a commitment. It is definitely a family commitment. Um, we don't we didn't go on a vacation or anything for about four years. Um, while she well, the was vacation traveling. was traveling. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And I thank God that my boys understood that and they never felt slighted because you know we we got goals here. Um, but it was worth it. Like I said, that first bill, we had half of our return on investment back. Mm -hmm. um, and you talked about you traveled as a family. How important is it for parents to travel with their athlete? Did you tr travel not only for, for support, but did you also travel for safety, not wanting anyone to take advantage? At first, absolutely. At first, absolutely. Um, my, all of my kids have been very blessed. They're village babies. Um, and I, I listen for people who think there's something wrong with the village. All I can say is go to sleep and wake back up because I'm team village. The village is what is important, especially when you are working or you have other children. You have you can't hold one baby back because you can't be there. And so in the beginning, uh, one of us always went with her always. But then as we got to know the other parents on the team, 
Um, we got to know the coaches on the team. We understood the team's program and their concept and how they operated. The parents and we all had like a little pack. We would call each other and say, who's, who's going this weekend? And as long as three or four of us were going, the other ones wouldn't. And it allowed the other families to save a little money um, so that we could like take turns almost traveling and watching out for the girls. Um, there were times when my daughter lost her wallet, didn't have money. I didn't have a way to get her money. The other parents looked out for her. Um, but had she been in any other program, I can't say I would have been comfortable with any of that. So you definitely have to um, get, it's a group thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a village, you know, with the other parents, the other players and the coaches that we all know that you, you're gonna take care of each other. There were times when my daughter would leave the weekend of the 4th of July and would come back to the first week in August. There's no way her dad and I <laughs> could be with her that entire time. Absolutely. Um, you have to be able to trust the program. And I, like I said, very blessed that my, all my kids were in great programs and they were, they are village babies. I love that. As we kind of close out a little bit, can you talk a little bit more about Lady Baller Insider and um, what they do, how many schools you recruit for, and all of the divisions that you recruit for? Sure, sure, sure. So Lady Baller Insider, um, we're better known as LBI. Uh, we are a Michigan-based uh, scouting and recruitment uh, company. Uh, we have been a while. So they've been around for... Uh, almost 15 years now. Um, but like I said, I joined in 2014. Um, that's when he, uh, the business started expanding. That was when it started it, it started off with boys and then it went over to girls and then it started expanding from there. Um, we Our focus is mainly Michigan players. However, we also recruit heavily um, in the states that border the state of Michigan. And then during the summer months, we recruit nationwide. So that means any player that we come across, you know, can easily get a write up or uh, receive an evaluation from us. Um, there are uh, almost, I always say 60, but there's more than 60, a little over 60 schools um, ranging from high major division one all the way to uh, NAIA schools um, that subscribe to our service and that receive our college report. Um, we are all about the kids. That's it. All of our events that we have are NCAA sanctioned meaning that colleges are um, legally allowed to come and recruit at our events. We, have, we host them in Michigan, we host them in Indiana, we also host them in Ohio. We also team up with other um, programs throughout the country and host joint events um, so that, uh, like I said, kids all over the country can uh, receive the opportunity to be exposed to different college levels. And um, I'm the I'm the I'm not the only girl on the NBI, on the LBI team, but I am the first lady of LBI. Make that clear. Uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> I do have one other. There's one other uh, lady, Marcy. She's phenomenal. She's also a basketball mom, a former basketball player. She, her, and her husband Steve do an awesome job um, recruiting. And um, we're just one big family, you know. Uh, like I said, we all have one goal, and that is to make sure that these girls get the best opportunity possible, um, and that their athletic careers flourish. And that's what we're here for. Um, we don't play favoritisms. We don't do the under the table grimy stuff. Um, mm -hmm. We are 100% transparent, legit, and all about the kids, all about the kids. I love that. What are three takeaways that you want the audience to take away from getting recruited? Um, for players, it would be um, no games off. Don't ever underestimate who's in the room. So no games off ever. Um, for parents, it would be be your child's ally, whatever that looks like. Um, cure yourself accordingly. 
um, make sure they are set up in successful atmospheres and just be their number one fan the right way. And then lastly, it would be to um, just everyone in general, uh, support lady ballers. They need the love, they need the support, they need to know that the hard work that they're putting into their craft is appreciated just like any other athlete. I love that. Um, thank you, Ranika, for joining Tanae Talks today. You definitely uh, educated me and you educated my listeners. You know, Tanae Talks is a podcast that entertains and educates. And you Absolutely. definitely taught me something new about this whole scouting, <laughs> recruiting world. I was able to see it with my own eyes yeah. personally, and it completely <laughs> yeah, blew me away. Um, as Ranika said, she's very ethical and she's very about the kids. And I love that you had kids to go through the experience. So it's, it's more real. It's different yes. when someone can say, I did this and I did X, Y, and Z. But when your kids have gone through the process, you yourself were an athlete, you can you can guide and, you know, you got the expertise. You can do it the way you, you know do what? it. <laughs> Let me say this one last thing to parents. Educate yourself. Do not take, even if you are a former basketball player and you went to college, the rules have changed so much. Educate yourself. Do not take the word of other people. Take the time to read the NCAA guidelines and know them for yourself. Before we close out, what is one rule that was par for the course 20 years ago that is different now? So um, 20 years ago, that would be like, you know, uh, late 90s when uh, I graduated high school. The general rule was as long as the child, your student athlete had college prep curriculum, a 2.0 GPA and a 17 on their ACT that they were eligible for an NCAA Division I scholarship. That is no longer the case. Um, the NCAA works on a sliding scale. The higher your GPA, uh, the lower your ACT or SAT score can be and vice versa. The lower your GPA is, the higher your ACT or SAT score has to be. And then there's certain classes you have to have taken by a certain time in high school. And if you haven't, then you have to get a waiver like there's a whole process you have to do. It's not just one cookie cut blueprint um, eligibility rule now. And also you have to be eligible to attend that university. So if that university requires a certain GPA and a certain ACT score, the NCAA can't trump it. You have to- And they be, used to. They used to. It used to be, well, I'm an athlete, so I only have to go by this. No, <laughs> right. now you have to go by the, if the school says you're not um, gonna be able to be admitted, then you can't, you can't accept that scholarship. Wow. I'm so glad to know that because I came up in an era of when Flint was on fire for basketball and there was rumors of some didn't know how to read, could barely form a sentence. Never came to school. Never. Skip parties were lit. <laughs> but they got into a, a division one school. So right. I'm glad to know that, you know, they're expecting scholar athletes. And that was kind of the problem. Colleges were graduating athletes, and the NCAA had to sit back and look and say why. Um, mm -hmm. And so they had to they had to they had to focus on the student part of student athletes a little bit more, as they should, because we all know that your career can't last forever. Everyone can't be a Pamela McGee, a Tanya Edwards. Right. Everyone cannot be a LeBron James or was a KG the Kid. You know so. If you don't, you got to prepare for the future because mm -hmm. things can happen. You can tear your uh, meniscus. You can break your leg. So you need to have something to fall back on. We want to thank you for joining us on Tanae Talks. Ronika, in true Tanae Talks fashion, this is your time to give you a shout out. Who you shouting out? Well, of course, I have to shout out the 810. 
Uh, Flint stand up. That's what we do. A one oh baby. Flint <laughs> made bedrock born. Um, shout out to my babies, Kayla, Nate, and Nehemiah. And um, just to all the lady ballers out there. That's all the lady ballers. She fronting all her kids' name is Nate, Nate, Nate. That's <laughs> not. That's not. I want to give a shout out to all the ladies ballers out there, all the athletes out there. Don't stop. Don't give up. I was truly impressed uh, when I when I saw recruitment up close and personal in the middle of the pandemic. There was there was no day off. And I, and I like that. I, I work in education and I see kids who say they want a certain thing, but they're not working towards it. Mm-hmm. They, they claim they're going to the league and it's like, who you play for? <laughs> Where you be at? Man. <laughs> Man. And, and they be nowhere but in their backyard or literally in their mind so you know, the one I guess thing is I say uh they say I'm going to college and I say well what's your GPA and they say 1.5 who's college my dear Who, where are you going you know let's let's talk about this <laughs> let's talk about this <laughs> so I, I I love that the NCAA has changed their rules and I, and I love what lady ballers are doing to uplift and spotlight ladies and girls who love basketball too yes. Yes. <laughs> so we will end there.